the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Bitcoin enthusiasm is rippling out across Africa, driven by evangelists such as our next guest from Namibia, Nikolai Chongarero of EasySats. He never misses a chance to convert somebody new to Bitcoin with a two-minute elevator pitch, and it's pretty convincing. Just last month, the Namibian government passed the Virtual Assets Act to regulate virtual asset service providers operating in the country. That's a 180-degree about-face from the government's 2017 decision to ban cryptocurrency exchanges altogether. Like many countries in Africa, regulators are seeing the necessity to regulate the space. Crypto adoption in Namibia has been slow, but it's steadily gaining traction from an enthusiastic core of people who see it as a security life jacket in an uncertain financial world. Let's get into it. Hi, Nikolai. Uh, Welcome to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. It's good to talk to you. Can you give us some idea of the state of crypto adoption in Namibia? Um, hi, thanks for having me. It's uh, it is great to be on, and, and and as always, I'm always willing to, to speak about Bitcoin, uh, virtual assets, and Namibia. So just just to quickly start, in Namibia, we don't actually call them crypto or cryptos. We call them virtual assets. That's that's what the government has termed them in a Namibian sense. So yeah, in Namibia, it's as you said, you nailed it on the head. Uh, Adoption started off very slowly. People were very skeptical on the entire, what is Bitcoin? What is a virtual asset? You know, what are these things that, is it a scam? And and they picked up slowly because at the initial point, a lot of people did get scammed. They they ended up giving their money to scammers that were telling them, you know, this is what's going to happen. And it didn't happen that way. And then everybody started pulling back. Government started pushing harder in. But at the current state, this virtual asset service um, act that they have brought out um, has opened a lot more questions from people saying, okay, wait, government's not angry about it. So what is it now? So there's a lot more enthusiasm coming through and and, and a lot more questions, um, which is great for for all of us. All right. Just give us an idea of the demographics of the people who are backing this crypto wave, if we can call it that. Are they, you know, they're young, are they professional, male, female? Give us an idea. Well, for the most part that I've seen, um, it's young people. It's, uh, I mean, Namibia is a country that um, when you look at our, our population by age, again, we're, we're doing our census for the first time this year, now in August, uh, since I think 2015 or 2020 or somewhere. So, I mean, between 15 and 64 is about 59%, 60% of our population, right? And a lot of that falls around 21 to or let's say below 30 let's just say below 30 a lot of that ranges below 30 so these are people that uh during covid were looking at what can we do what can we research what what are the things in the world that can help me uh, possibly make money in, 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 in any certain way or monetize something that i'm doing and this is how a lot of them have come through from my experience um a lot of them are women in Namibia. Uh, there's, there's guys that don't really speak about it, but the people that do engage and, 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 and come to events for the most part are women above men. It's, it's, it's a bigger percentage of women. All right. Now, the legal status of crypto, I mentioned in the beginning that there is this new Virtual Assets Act that's been passed. I think it was just last month. Is this mm-hmm. following the South African model where cryptos are to become a financial product subject to legal oversight? Is that the... The model that you're following there or is it something different 
Well, I'd say it's something different. We actually had public consultations with the Bank of Namibia. They called for public consultations uh, from stakeholders in the industry. So we went through and we we had a conversation with them. And basically what they were doing was trying not to get, for for, for a good uh, part of it, uh, not to get grade listed as as South Africa was by by FATF uh, for the anti-money laundering and and, uh, terrorism financing. Uh, regulations that weren't up to standard according to FATF for South Africa. Namibia then jumped uh, ahead of the gun and said, okay, let's let's find a way to make sure that we're compliant before we get grey listed. Now, so this act, if you really read it, is more to do with regulating exchanges and, and virtual asset providers and initial tokering offerings, which is basically people just starting up their own tokens and then offering them to the public to say, hey, how can we make sure that these things are regulated from a money laundering? or an anti-money laundering standpoint, a KYC standpoint, from that standpoint so that we don't fall uh, uh, to the wayside on that. So it's not so much as in, is this going to be seen as a, a financial product directly, as so much so as in, can we make sure that it's not being used for uh, nefarious reasons or whatever. Um, so that's the way that, the, from what I've read in the in the act, so that's the way it reads. You mentioned just a moment ago that a lot of people, a lot of women start attending these these Bitcoin educational seminars and webinars. I'm interested to find out how do people actually acquire crypto in Namibia? How many exchanges? Do you have exchanges there or uh, what's the usual route for people, the on-ramp to crypto or Bitcoin? Okay, so for I'll just say virtual assets to to take the whole space. <laughs> yeah. um, so so in Namibia, what we do is the first. So how I got into Bitcoin and then crypto and then back into Bitcoin, I was orange pilled by a man named Chuthenyam Bula. He is uh, the founder of Landifa.com. Now Landifa.com is an on-off ramp that was the first one regulated by the Bank of Namibia and the first one to be issued with a license. Okay, so they they are literally they don't hold any any virtual assets for you. They are just an on-off ramp for you to be able to purchase and and sell your Bitcoin through. But they only do Bitcoin. Right. Uh, sorry. And just to interrupt you there, to, you better explain what orange pill is. Uh, that's converting oh, somebody sorry. to Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's well, converting is a bit of a, a, a religious word. Let's let's yeah. rather say um, opening somebody's eyes to the possibilities of what Bitcoin can do. That is literally what orange pilling is doing. You you having a conversation with somebody. Well, okay, well, that's one of your other questions, I think. So let me let me just stop there. So orange pilling is really just showing people the opportunities that Bitcoin can afford them with whatever their circumstances are. Right, and I think we, we should also add there that, that it is Bitcoin only and not uh, the, the altcoins, the other coins that are correct. available. Yeah. Correct, correct. All the other virtual assets and altcoins, they have their own uh, ways that they go about things. But yes, orange pilling and huddling, those are terms that came from the Bitcoin space. So we don't actually have Namibian-based exchanges. We, Like I said, uh, Landifa.com is an on-off ramp. Uh, where you can purchase Bitcoin through, and this is digitally. You don't, you, you, you can link it to your bank account so that you can then withdraw the, the, the funds as you sell them straight to your bank account. Then we have a crypto ATM, is its name. It's called the crypto ATM. Through that ATM, you can buy and sell uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I believe Tether, USD. I'm not too sure if they still do Tether. Um, and this is in a mall in the center of our town. So it's in Marua Mall, right across Woolworths. There's a crypto ATM. And you can literally just go there and then purchase. You do need to show your identification, of course, and KYC yourself on that one. And then we have EasySats, which we brought in a method that, that anybody, because a lot of these things uh, have had a a barrier of entry of like $200 million, $300 million for people to be able, even exchanges if you use things like Binance. 
So we brought in EasySats uh, as Teco vouchers, which allow people to purchase Bitcoin vouchers the same way you purchase an airtime voucher, but for amounts of like 20 Namibian dollars or 20 Rand, right? As opposed to having to fork out 300, which means now, you know, your gardeners, your, your, your guys that are pumping gas, everybody can now afford to say, hey, you know what, instead of buying three or four cigarettes, I'll buy some Bitcoin um, and then start their journey that way. And those are the three current methods. If you're using EasySats, just explain the process there. How would I acquire some Bitcoin through EasySats? Yeah, well, so with EasySats, uh, since we, we were aiming at the, the lower demographics, meaning the people that are normally left out of the systems, we don't sell a single voucher for over $5,000 million. Um, and we start them at $20 million. So you have that whole spectrum per voucher that you can purchase. And then what you do is literally like you go and you buy mobile airtime, you walk into the store, you say, hey, I'd like to buy $50 voucher or 50 Rand voucher. And the person will tell you, okay, for 50 Rand at the current rate, this is how much you will get out. So they'll say, okay, for 50 Rand, for argument's sake, you'll get out 45 or you'll get out 42 uh, Rand worth of Bitcoin, right? And this is so many Satoshis. Do you agree? You then say, yes, I confirm. I agree with that. They will then show you a QR code that you will scan with your Bitcoin wallet, whether it's whatever you're using, Blink, a Blue Wallet, whatever. And you scan it, of course, this is now if you want a Lightning wallet, which is instantaneous, as opposed to waiting your 10 to 15 minutes for an on-chain transaction. So you'd scan the QR code and it will redeem the Bitcoin to your Bitcoin wallet. The same way that you would use your USSD code to, with us, star 132 star, and then your 16-digit code from your airtime voucher, hash would then redeem it to your phone. The scanning of the QR code would then redeem it to your phone. I would imagine one of the obstacles you have there is you first of all have to have a wallet. So people say, well, what do I need a wallet for? Uh, you talk about Blink and uh, various yes. other wallets that are available there and they're free. But you've got to convince somebody, first of all, to download this wallet. And if you're talking about the gardener or the domestic, maybe this is a, this is a leap too far. So how do you overcome that one? Oh, that one's actually part of my favorite ones, right? So I have full-on conversations with people when it comes to Bitcoin. So what happened was in South Africa, uh, I tweeted out one day my frustration with the fact that you alluded to. How do we get a gardener or somebody in the village that doesn't have internet access or a smartphone to, even if they understand Bitcoin, to be able to hold Bitcoin? So there was a, a gentleman, we call him KG Kohato. He's South African. Uh, I think he lives in Pretoria. He tweeted back at me and he said, give me two weeks. And he created a company called Machankura. Yeah, we, we, had, we, we had Kohatso on here just a okay, few Okay, so weeks you ago. know about Katie. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So, so that was one of the methods that now when I speak to a gardener or a car god, there's a, 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 one of the, the places that I orange pulled or got to start accepting Bitcoin, the Wolf Shack, one of the car gods was like, no, I want to know. Explain it to me. And I told them, okay, do you, you don't have a smartphone. You have a, 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 what we call them Tamagotchis or a feature phone. I said, okay, let me show you how you can do this with that phone. And I will send you Bitcoin right now. So that's the first thing. The first step is to, to is like even the events I, I throw. I throw events that are how do you accept Bitcoin and how do you earn it? Forget buying it. I'm going to show you how I earn over 50 rand or 15 million dollars a week and then buy my mobile airtime for the week with data and everything included with that 50 bucks that I earn playing games on my phone, writing and reading articles, walking all these different methods that you can do. I show them at these events, right? So that's the first step. Is, is to have a conversation and meet the person where they are and say, okay, what is your gripe with the system? Anything. Like, you just even go there and you'll be like, man, these point-of-sale fees. 
that one gets everybody because <laughs> right. everybody's like, oh, I don't want to swipe and pay the bank three dollars. And then the, when the establishment is like, yeah, I don't even get my full hundred when you swipe. I get like ninety six and then I still have to pay rent for this machine. That over there is my two minute pitch, that POS system. Yeah. And then I tell you, well, here's a POS system in your hand. It's called your phone. Whether you have a feature phone or not, you can do this by yourself and you get your full value. The only person that pays a fee is the person paying as the customer. And that fee is cents on the dollar. It's not dollars or rands. So <laughs> it, it, it really becomes a thing of, okay, show me, <laughs> like almost immediately. But it's not about talking about decentralization and all of that. It's use cases. That's, that's right, how it's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Decentralization and, and all of these very high-level arguments for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's, it's over the head of most people. But if you're talking to this car guard or this gardener, can I use the word conversion rate? I know you don't like it, but I mean, how many people are signing on or <laughs> yeah. downloading a wallet? And what wallets are they downloading? Well, okay, so conversion rates, actually the wallets are starting to build this in. Uh, Machankura has one uh, in it already that, that will show how many people you've signed up, right? Like, it literally will tell you, like, how many people have used your code to start their Machankura journey. And then Blink also now has come out with this as well. It's called um, People. Instead of Contacts, which they used to have on there, it's called People. And it's being rolled out, I think, currently right now. And it will show... So the way that, that Blink does it, as opposed to Machankura's way, is if you send somebody their first Bitcoin via a Blink wallet to a Blink wallet, it counts them as a tally as, you know, one of the people that you've orange pulled, kind of. And through that, you can then count, oh, okay, I've done a thousand people this month or how many people. So for me, it's a bit, um, I can't really say. I, I, because I, I normally orange pull people at bars where people are confrontational and they argue. I go there. And I'm like, oh, they're like, ah, oh, Bitcoin's a scam. You're just trying to scam people. I'm like, okay, let me pay you a bill real quick. This place accepts Bitcoin. And then I pay their bill quickly. And they're like, wait, how did you do that? And I'm like, but you said it's a scam, but your bill's paid. So let's have the conversation and let's see how we, how we both learn here. And from there, so I don't even know. Like there could be two people, five people. Other ones are learning. I've orange pulled like literally all the cleaners, bartenders, kitchen staff, and owners at one establishment, at another one. Most of the bar stuff, not the cleaning stuff, most of the kitchen stuff, the owner was like, dude, please, let's just go. Let's do it. <laughs> so the, you can even do paintball for Bitcoin in Namibia right now, uh-huh. but in Buntu, because one of the places is a paintball place. You can get pizzas, burgers, even biltong, you know, <laughs> at, at certain uh-huh. places. So like, it is slow. It's very slow. I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh, we're great. I mean, we do have a place even in Wafish Bay where you can rent uh, uh, motorcycles for overland tours in Bitcoin. So it's starting slowly, but to say how many people would be, I'd be lying to you. I'd be lying to you if I knew the number. <laughs> how did you get involved in crypto? Well, for me, what happened was um, I was, I'm an artist by, by actually originally. So I'm, I'm one third of Black Vulcanite. And I was, uh, I was in South Africa finishing off my studies around 20, 2010, 2009. And around 2012, one of our producers was like, hey, guys, you know, you guys need to listen to this Bitcoin thing, man. Let me tell you about this. I'm busy mining and it's the future of like, and we're like, I was like, hey, hey, hey. I'm here to make music and like go, bro. I don't want to listen to any of this. And that guy was becoming full, who is Chutheni Mvula, the first regulated Bitcoin company in Namibia is from him. So he already in 2012 was trying to get me in. I didn't listen. I went to China in 2016 to do my MBA. That time it was all oh, blockchain events. You know, Ethereum was really the, the craze everywhere. And I was like, guys, I'm here to do an MBA. I don't care about what you're talking about. I don't want to listen to any of that. So only in 2019, it was a use case for me. My brother was in Dubai. I was sending him money via Western Union, and I, and I got angry at the charges. And then becoming followed, Chutani Mvula, he just tweeted at me, and he was like, bro, 
just send it to your brother by your Bitcoin. And I was like, you know what? Just tell me how this thing works. Call me. And then we had a half an hour conversation. 15 minutes later, my brother had the money, you know, the Bitcoin in Dubai. And I was, he called me and he was like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to find out. Like, we, he walked us through the whole process. Download this wallet. This is how you purchase. This is how long it will take. At that time, there was no lightning yet. Right. So it was still that 15 to 20 minute wait. And you're like, oh, looking on the, the mempool. OK, it's, it's coming through or whatever was there at the time. So that's how I got into Bitcoin it was literally a use case of how do I send my brother uh, value without having to go through Western Union charges and printing charges and everything. And from there, COVID hit. And because, I mean, I already had musical gear and everything. I was like, let me just start a podcast and talk to musicians I know around the world called the thing hashtag from the jump it started making a bit of you know noise we were charting in South Africa for a while in the Netherlands and places France and I was like how do I monetize this because Spotify they weren't giving me money and then again Bitcoin so what came out was Adam Curry with a value for value uh, podcasting 2.0 protocol and I became the first African podcast to be paid in Bitcoin while people were streaming my podcast and that's how I really decided okay let me really find out what this Bitcoin thing is about. And then I started learning about it. I started studying, started getting certificates in it. So now I teach people. I'm an educator. I run miners, uh, Bitcoin nodes. So I do all of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you still doing music or are you now full-time in Bitcoin? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm totally full-time in Bitcoin. I used to do um, – well, I still – I could – if somebody's like, hey, Oaken, you want to do a poem here or whatever, like I still speak with people like Judd Spanger, uh uh, youngsters are a bit difficult to get in touch with nowadays. But yeah, I do still speak with a lot of the musicians um, and artists. I, it's just a thing of Bitcoin literally took over my life in a good way. Uh, I, I am trying to get artists also on, 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 on platforms like Wavelake, which works like Spotify or like almost like Bandcamp. But as people are streaming your music, they can pay you in Bitcoin. So I'm trying to get artists onto how they can be internationally paid because in Namibia, PayPal, you cannot withdraw PayPal payments to a Namibian bank account. You have to go through a South African bank account, which, again, is another barrier of entry for people. But your Bitcoin can come straight to you. So all of these things add on to each other. They just build on top of each other. They don't really end. Yeah, and I think people in South Africa who are acquiring Bitcoin, they typically would do it through an exchange. Uh, many of them don't know that you can, in fact, go to – you mentioned Aztec a little bit earlier, where you can go and buy vouchers or easy sats. There are alternative ways of, of acquiring Bitcoin without having an exchange. But I, I think the adoption would be amongst those people who understand a little bit of the technology, the need for a wallet, and who understand the security aspects of having a wallet like Blink. Oh, Machankura. Is that your experience? Well, the thing is, uh, again, it, it, within the conversation, uh, I always say it's the way that you have the conversation with people. And for me, it's about meeting people where they are. So I ask them, Look, you know, what, what, what applications do you have on your phone? Uh, even before I talk to them about uh, uh, how they can download Blink and all of its great things or Machankura's great things, I'm like, do you have kids? Yes or no? Well, do you have ne if you don't have kids, do you have nieces and nephews? Do kids like to ask you to play games on your phone? Yes. Okay. Well, did you know that for kids playing games on your phone, like they already do, you could be earning Bitcoin right now and you could then use that Bitcoin to maybe buy yourself a sandwich, some airtime. They're already, it's a, wait, wait, what do you mean? Well, show, well, show me how this would work. Because for them, they already have applications on their phones. Kids are already like, oh, uncle, auntie, please let me play something on your phone. 
So now you're starting a conversation from something that's got nothing to do with let's separate money and state and all of the normal, you know, uh, not your keys, not your coins things. First, let's just have the conversation of where are you at and how can this probably solve something for you, right? Because that's what Bitcoin is. It's a tool. And how that tool solves something in your life is what then gives it value in your life. So that's how I normally approach things. Even if, so when people talk about, yeah, I want to buy Bitcoin and I want to invest in Bitcoin, I'm like, okay, wait, let's slow down. Let's slow down. What do you think investing in Bitcoin first means? Because the only way to invest in something means you're getting a return out of it. And the way you invest in Bitcoin is to buy a Bitcoin miner, because that is giving you a, a, a return in the Satoshis that you're getting out of the mining pool or if you're mining as a, as a solo miner. But if you're talking about it in a, in a buy an asset as a stock thing, Bitcoin wasn't built for you to do it that way, and it will hurt you in the short-term volatility of it. So there's, again, that whole thing of why do you want to do it and have that conversation? Because one person's reason won't be another's, but it could be as simple as, oh, you want to be able to earn for your, your music. Cool. Let me show you how you can do it. And globally, people can pay you, not just in Namibia. And then it goes from there. And then they want the wallet. They're like, oh, what wallet is this? Why do you have nine wallets? And I'm like, because each wallet is built out for different use cases. This is a non-custodial wallet. It's like, and I always tell people that what a non-custodial wallet is, is like having money in a safe buried underneath a house that nobody knows you own. That's what it's like. Unless you tell somebody it's there, they don't know. All right. So you have to understand what is the person's reasoning for it. And then from there, we have the conversation for it. Okay, Nikolai Chongarero, thank you so much for joining us on the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. We'll check in with you again to see how things are going with this development of this new act. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.